Welcome to the Navigating Digital Payments podcast, brought to you by Worldline, bringing you the latest innovations, trends, and predictions about the future of payments. Hello, and welcome to this first episode of the Navigating Digital Payments podcast. I'm David Daly. I look after the scientific community here at Worldline. This is a community that brings together people from across our business to map out and understand the future trends in payments and to help our customers prepare for that future. Our topic today is Does Customer Experience Matter? And I'm delighted to be joined by Chris Bauman. Chris is our Head of Digitalization and Innovation for the Merchant Services part of our business. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Hi, David, and hello out there to all listeners. And and thank you very much that I am invited for this uh, great podcast uh, series and to give our view on how we see the topic of of user experience in this series from our perspective. Awesome. It's great to have you with us. And as you say, we'll we'll start by looking at this question of does customer experience matter? Um, then I think it would be great to share some insights about the terminology around customer experience, user experience, brand experience. And then I'm really excited to pick your brains and hear your thoughts about the future trends in customer experience. Um, I guess we should start with a little bit of background, which is that in uh, October, we published this paper, Navigating Digital Payments. Um, and this paper was produced by the Worldline scientific community that we kicked off um, back in March. Um, and the idea is in each podcast, we'll explore one of the different chapters or the trends that's that's in in that paper. Now, I remember when we when we kicked off the community in March, Chris, we we all of us had to kind of figure out what were the topics, what were the trends going to be that we would work on. And right back then, you were really passionate about the subject of customer experience. Now, in the end, that became like one of the overarching themes and the glue that joins all the different topics together. But perhaps you can share a little bit what drew you to that as an important topic um, when we were when we were starting out. Yeah, that has something to do with my history. So since, since the nineties, I'm working in the business to business to consumer business, and experience a lot of upcoming technologies, news like iPhone, like new mobile phones, and so on. Started in a Apple Center as my first sales job, or um, later on in the mobile industry at Ericsson. I got always new products to sell on one hand, but also to use them on my own. And already at that time, I fell in love with, with these bad and good experiences as a trigger of user acceptance. Because with the good experience, I knew why I loved it, why I learned it fast. And with the bad experience, I learned where we have potential in products, for example. So many good products and services or functions didn't make it because of the poor experience, resulting in a low acceptance out in the market. And we at Worldline see our task in simplifying the complex in a way that can customers or consumers never have to handle technology or regulation on their journey. And I am standing for that and I'm totally thrilled about this. And for me, of course, it was a no-brainer to to take the lead for this topic in, in the paper. Awesome. And I think, I mean, you're so right that 
the experience that people have of a product or service makes a huge difference to to the likelihood of it being successful and, and being adopted. Because I guess it doesn't matter how kind of useful something is in theory or how clever something is in theory, if people can't understand it, can't use it, don't like the experience, then it's never going to take off. Um, as you said, I mean, you kind of, so you championed this topic, you led the track that kind of did work on it in the scientific community, and, and it resulted in a whole chapter on customer experience in our um, paper. So let's now hear um, a short extract uh, from from that uh, chapter read by our resident voiceover artist, Louise Freer-Jones. Much of what customers need, want or expect is muted and unspoken, but nonetheless present and ready to surface if they're not satisfied. Customers will not tolerate poor experiences. They will simply vote with their feet by migrating to an alternative, better solution or service. One customer experience survey found that only one from 26 unhappy customers complain. The rest simply churn, with 67% of that churn being caused by a bad experience. And a study by Gomez, the web performance division of CompuWare, found that a single bad experience on a website makes users 88% less likely to visit the website again. So, Chris, there we heard some stats about customer churn and people just walking away if they if they don't like a product or service. Um, is that always the case? I mean, what's what are your thoughts on that? And also, is it do you think it's possible to sometimes turn around a bad customer experience and, and get some benefit from it? Absolutely. I mean, after poor experience, consumers won't come back to a service only if they have to take our own experience in store or online. I mean, out there, the listeners, take, take your experience you have in, in stores or if you go shopping online. If your request you have, the idea or the wish, whatever it is, is not satisfied in your expected time or quality or price, you will just go to the next. And that, it reminds me, I don't know if I've told you before, but I really love um, barbecue cooking, barbecue food and when I want to try new things, I sometimes have to order a very specific cut of meat. Um, and I did that online once. And what arrived was just totally not the the correct item. And the reality is, I mean, I, I kind of phoned up and let them know, but I just never used that supplier again and instead ordered from another one who has been completely reliable. And because of that reliability and, and always getting exactly what I want and when I want it, I keep coming back to that that same supply. So I think you're right. But you also, you've talked before about this this topic of sometimes you can't switch supplier and so the only option you have is to switch channel. Can you say a bit more a bit more about that? Yeah, of course. I mean, take, take the example of a train ticket. We all have experience in buying a train ticket or a bus ticket. Um. And then many channels they offer to us, be it mobile, be it um, at, at the clerk, uh, be it uh, in a ticket machine. Sometimes it's so complex that, that we just want to change the channel, not the service, because, of course, we need the ticket in any circumstances. Um, and that's, that's, for me, really something also this service providers like public transport, they have to rethink, which they do. Um, you see that out in the market. Uh, because that has something to do with uh, with the future success. Let's um, 
now come on to some of the terminology because I, I never understood this until it was explained to me um, and, I, and I think it's quite useful so there's kind of you know there's people talk about user experience or UX customer experience CX can you talk a little bit about or explain the, the differences between them you, yeah of course everything starts with this brand experience um, defined by marketing together with customers of course so how do we want we are perceived out in the market and based on this we plan um, we plan our uh, customer experience end to end which means take this uh, this ticket machine again um, from searching a ticket finding a ticket book the ticket and to receive the ticket that's a whole journey called customer journey called customer experience right but on every touch point be it on a mobile phone on a ticket machine uh, in every stage of the whole process end to end uh, there are user experiences and they lead at the end to a user uh, interface which is so-called the presentation layer how you see the service how you experience this by using the service okay so if i've understood that well you kind of at the at the lowest level or the most granular level, you have the user interface, which is the buttons, how the screen is laid out. You have the user experience, which is the experience of one interaction. The customer experience is then the set of interactions and experiences that make up a full customer journey. And then multiple customer experience or journeys all add up to and create the brand experience what experience do people have of that brand have i have i understood that and summarized that correctly chris yeah absolutely i mean absolutely i mean it, it is about how to experience the brand through the whole customer journey and then on every touch point until really the presentation area where i see the service house to handle and they're very important is also to to follow some conventions on user experiences Take mobile um, smartphones. The smartphones with the different OS like Google, like Android, like, um, like iOS, um, they have different conventions where you as a user is searching uh, an OK button, for example, a cancel button, whatever it is. And this is something they learned us, which means with user experience, we can learn as well consumers how to use a service in a new way and that's it's what you said there has just reminded me of a book that i read quite a long time ago called the design of everyday things and um and on the cover of this book there is there's like a teapot with the handle and the spout on the same side so it'd be literally yes it has a handle and a spout but it would be impossible or almost impossible to pour a cup of tea and um, but I remember that book talked about what you've just said there, which is that to make something intuitive for people to use, they have to be able to use their past experiences to guess, if you like, how something that they haven't used before will work. And I guess that's where you say those kind of standards. So, you know, the, the way an app is expected to work on an iPhone versus Android or in a browser and um, all of that. If you, if you do it in the same style and way that people are used to, it makes it easier for them to use the, use the product without needing a manual or, or a training course to, to access it. And, that, and that's a very important point, uh, David, because exactly if you need a, a, 
a guide, um, you, you shouldn't do it. I mean, that then it, it indicates it's too complex still. And that that's very that's very important um, overall. I mean, and in every service we we are we are using in, in in the daily life. And it's it's funny, isn't it? Because I am. I mean, I remember when a computer, a BBC B computer. For, I don't know if that is known internationally, but um, it came with an instruction manual and software came with a printed huge bound instruction manual and you kind of think well now i mean most software if you had to read a manual before like a and we're talking like a hundred page manual before you could use it no one will use it i mean the expectation now is that people can pick things up and use them without having to have a training course or, or read an extensive manual um i want now to come on to this um topic of future trends in customer experience. So now let's hear another extract from that uh, customer experience chapter, uh, which talks about connected services. Connected services have changed our wider work and life domain so much that people can now carry out work, leisure, family and travel activities at the same time. A long-standing example of a connected service is how booking an airline ticket may shift to suggestions for booking a hire car, taxi, hotel room or parking. What might have been four or five separate tasks can now all be done in one place, under one umbrella and with one single payment. Now super apps are taking this a step further combining together services that may seem increasingly disparate in order to provide convenience for the consumer. For example, in Latin America, the startup Rappi provides an app that combines food delivery with e-scooters, payments, P2P transfers and movie tickets. It's even possible to ask a Rappi delivery person to bring you something you've forgotten to take with you, to walk your dog or to buy clothes and pay for services. So, Chris, we heard there about this trend for customer journeys, customer experiences becoming more connected together, more joined up. Um, where do you think that's going to go next? And, and what do you think it'll mean, perhaps, for the payment part of that experience as well? Yeah, what I see is clearly, as, as you already mentioned, that seamless journey will be key, be it um, in a live stream session uh, on, 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 on social media, for example, where a blogger uh, is presenting a new product, that you're able to immediately buy the product and pay it and get it received and that's it. And what I see as well is that we need more and more as well to add some value to the journey, which means beyond payment. Uh, because sometimes the best experience is not to feel that you pay. If you ask me about payment, um, that I just have the feeling I'm totally in control of what I bought, but I also receive value uh, from, from the merchant in another way, be it in loyalty, um, in whatever, whatever value-added services you can receive. I mean, and there will be the key as well to, to not um, have this journey we were talking about earlier in this, in this podcast. So to really have loyal customers by giving them the better service and the seamless service and it's it's interesting there what you've mentioned which is that um we talk about payment experience 
and often I think we we see that a better payment experience is one that has less friction or is even invisible. But you used a really interesting word there, which is control. Um, and I guess that's the point that actually a good experience is not that your bank account is just endlessly debited by lots of amounts without you knowing about it. You know, that that probably isn't a great experience for anyone because I, I suppose people want to minimise the hassle or the, the difficulty but still have full visibility, full control over their spending. Is, is that what you, is that how you see it, Chris? Exactly. I mean, who wants to give his money out from his pocket? <laughs> Nobody. That's a bad experience. <laughs> but if the value, of course, is, 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 is um, obvious for me as a consumer, I spend my money, of course. But you can trigger that. I mean, also, if you see in, in online business, if, if you buy what you planned to buy and at the end your basket is quite full with other stuff, then it was a good experience because, because I was led through some interest topics as well where I don't get hurt to spend my money at the end. So in, if I don't feel I'm spending the money but I know I have to control my spendings, then I feel well and I feel comfortable with the purchase I did, right? Yeah, and I think with you also mentioned loyalty, and I guess instinctively, if we're talking about payments and loyalty comes up, we think about reward points. But are there other aspects of of kind of loyalty that that can be reinforced, whether it's through payments or other you know, technological solutions? What what do you see happening in in you know in that loyalty space? Yeah, we see a lot of movements. We see a lot of. Um, collision programs are coming up where smaller merchants are able to connect there. Um, in, in Germany, you have good examples, and and also in the in the in the air, airplane industry as well, um, where you see that you get points if you fly or if you save carbon as well. I mean that's that's that there are a lot of uh, different aspects on, on on loyalty, but it's really a movement towards loyalty and loyalty is not only reward services loyalty can cost can be caused by vip status club memberships whatever um, you take as a tool there uh, and there we see a clear movement that smallers would love to behave like the large retailers in this world as well so i think you're saying one of the trends is essentially smaller merchants clubbing together, forming a coalition somehow to be able to provide the same kinds of loyalty schemes and, and offers that you would traditionally only see from, from larger merchants. Is that right? To be part of uh, sometimes. If you see airlines, um, they have some partnerships with smaller um, companies as well. But not only airlines. I mean, the smaller ones would love to have a collision program to be connected to their business as well, where they can use it with a low budget as well. I mean, at the end, uh, it's always how, how much can it cost. Um, and it make it, it usually it makes it really um, reasonable for them and to, to, to be part of it and not to set up their own ecosystem. And now this, that's the next buzzword. What we see is, to be part of an ecosystem. If you see platformization overall, 
uh, and worldwide, you see growing ecosystems. Not everyone has to deliver everything of a service. So they build ecosystems um, and let merchants be part of the ecosystem as well and play their role they foresee for them in the in, in, in these platforms then. And I just excuse me, but I'm gonna jump back slightly to um the payment experience part because we um we were conducting a survey and someone wrote in the comments something that caught my attention which was around direct debit. Um so they said they prefer direct debit for regular bills because it means they don't have to remember to pay them. Um, and I, it just struck me that the what, what is convenient does depend on the type of purchase because, you know, I, I wouldn't choose to buy a newspaper with a direct debit payment, for example, because the effort of setting it up is quite heavy compared with, the, um, compared with using a contactless card transaction. But equally, if I have to make a bank transfer and remember to make the bank transfer every month for the right amount... That's a big overhead compared with setting up a direct debit once and then it automatically coming out of, out of the account. And I, I kind of thought that it's it's what you mentioned there about the balance between control and the level of friction is, is quite interesting there. Do you see other cases where um, the way people pay or the way payment is integrated into the customer journey is, is set to evolve? Yeah, I mean, take, take mobile payment. The local brands in each country where you pay uh, with your mobile phone, can be also Apple Pay, Google Pay, but the local brand as well, um, which has something to do as well at the end with trust, uh, that you are in control on the spendings you do. And this is something where you see the trend clearly coming from the Nordics, where always mobile came in, um, that it's a clear trend there even to probably get rid uh, on, on, on cash in the future because of the long distribution ways of, of cash uh, to the different uh, ATMs or, or, or banks, right? Um, but at the end, yes, absolutely, this will, be, this will change a lot and will, um, will change also mindset from people. And I mean, we can see as well the trend on mobile uh, payment during the pandemic because... Um, nobody wants to touch anything and want to have a, a really low dwell time in the store. So they don't want to use a lot of time in the store. So th this is a, a total impact on, on, on the experience. And we on our side have to take care again on this happy uh, journey or happy path uh, to fulfill all these requests, let's say even emotional requests uh, and to, to be part of the solution there and to deliver the right solution for And It's funny because I remember my uh, brother-in-law probably 15 years ago saying to me, one day everyone will pay with their phones. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. I, I can't see it myself. And then I don't know if this was before or after, but I also remember my dad at some point had a kind of card um glued to the back of his phone and that was how he could do contactless payments with his phone and now but but it but it's it's interesting that it's been quite a long journey but i think what i've noticed so again looking at a, a different field but with photography most people now take most of their photos with their phone and why do they do that because they've always got their phone with them so it's convenient because 
I don't have to take an extra camera with me everywhere I go. It's just there. And I guess it's the same with putting things into a digital wallet on the phone. If you're taking your phone with you everywhere anyway, it's convenient. And then it, it opens up, of course, new possibilities because, for example, the the um, the threshold, the limit for a contactless um, transaction on an iPhone could be raised higher because you have some biometric identification. It's not, you know, and even if you have to enter your PIN, actually, you're entering it on your own. Coming back to the COVID point, you're entering that PIN on your own device. So you're not having to touch anything, even when it even if you have to enter some some authentication information. Yeah, coming back to the trends you were asking me, we see a lot of trends in automation um, by digitization in, in, in different services. For example, how to register a service. So if I want to be part or member of a new service, how, how to do that? Huh? What do I need? What do I use? What do I have to give to get the trust uh, and, on, and to see it as a trusted service? But also then uh, from the registration uh, journey, um, how to be identified, for example, be it with biometrics, be it with um, with um, with sound, with whatever it is. I mean, there are a lot of technologies uh, not yet really trusted, but there is the trend to get there to automize and make it commodity that I don't have to handle technology again. Yeah, I think you're right, and I guess Chris. I mean, it's I just want to say it's been fascinating having this. Uh, conversation uh, together with you um i think if we if we maybe just look back now and summarize i guess you know we started by saying does customer experience matter clearly it has a huge impact on whether people choose products and services or stay with certain products and services so i think i think we've answered that question um it was great having you explain the difference between the user interface the user experience the customer experience the brand experience um, and it's been really good also to look at these these future trends that we see around customer experience and, and the payment experience so chris thank you so much for joining us for this first episode of the podcast thank you for having me and uh, very interesting and i look i look forward for the next podcast already and stay tuned so yes thank you again so much for joining us chris um as I said earlier, this uh, podcast episode was based on one chapter from the Navigating Digital Payments report. If you're interested in reading that um, or reading any of the rest of the report, you can download it from worldline.com. Um, you just go to Knowledge Hub, select Scientific Reports, and you can download it there. Um, in the next episode, we are going to be asking ourselves, will cryptocurrencies take over the world? Uh, so we have a very special guest, David Carney, joining us to look at um, the developments around cryptocurrencies and what could happen in the future there. Um, if you'd like to contact us to let us know any feedback or to make any suggestions for future topics that you'd like us to cover on the podcast, um, then please do just email us on ndp-podcast at worldline.com. Please do consider subscribing, leave us a review, let us know what you think. And I just want to finish off by thanking you very much uh, for listening to Navigating Digital Payments. Thank you for listening to the Navigating Digital Payments podcast, brought to you by Worldline. Join us next time to learn more about the latest innovations, trends and predictions for the future of payments.